Welcome to Beer Massive, a collection of good beer-centric conversation, interviews, editorials, reviews, and more from a collective of centrally like-minded yet individually opinionated good beer fanatics. From podcasts born in the present, or from our massive library of brewer interviews from years past, we hope you enjoy what you hear. If you do enjoy what you're here, please subscribe. Feel free to reach out to us on social media, Facebook, Twitter. How you doing, YouTube? At Massive Now at Massive Beer Reviews. Email us individually. Uh, not back with another review. I'm actually back with a little bit of, uh, yeah, a little bit of looking towards the past to speak to the future kind of stuff in the form of our kind of year end of review kind of things and stuff. Um, it, it's, it's a weird thing. 2017 was a really awesome year um, in general uh, for myself. Uh, moving forward, personally, I met the absolute, absolutely most fantastical person in the history of mankind. Um, and uh, had some amazing beers, met some fantastic people in the beer world and outside. But also had its downfalls, too. You know, I lost one of my best friends this year, my dog Bisto. And uh, it just kind of, you know, just like any year, any life, anything you do, um, inside and outside of any world... Um, it has its ups and downs, and uh, 2017 was no different. And what I want to do this year, I haven't really done this before, is a new thing, is kind of do my best of things and bits and pieces or trends of 2017. So I'm kind of going to do a little bit of, I like this, and what was the counterbalance of that. Um, so you, you'll get the gist when I go through it, but I'm, I'm going to talk about the things I liked and the things I didn't like. Um, but they're going to be very succinct, and they're going to kind of make, hopefully make sense. This is going to be a longer video, shooting from the hip. I have a little bit of notes written down, but not too much as far as what I'm going to say. So, crack a cold one, buckle up, because it's about to get fun in here. So, let's jump into it. Some of my favorite things that happened this year. First things first, the funk. The funk, all the funk, and nothing but the funk. Uh, one of my favorite trends of 2017 was the kind of explosion of yeast-based and bacteria-based beers. Um, whether it be kind of breweries coming into their own finally that should have been there already, like your dry logs of the world, um, you know, I shouldn't even say like Jester King, things like that, but your, your side projects of the world. Um, those breweries that really do these kind of, kind of funky, tart, weird whatever you want to call it, beers, yeast and bacteria-driven beers, even like breweries that just dabble in those things, like Cane uh, and Russian Duck. Those kind of breweries really came to a head and really started to grow their kind of funky projects. I thought that was one of the best things I saw in 2017. There was always this kind of what is the next best thing when it comes to beer, and uh, when you're talking about the whole hop realm, um, the kind of uh, the big thing most people would talk about would be sours. I never bought into it. It was more of a funky thing. Uh, so, but seeing a lot of the kind of nice, robust, uh, meaty saisons that have been thrown out there from a lot of really good breweries, uh, it just was one of the things that kind of tickled me pink about 2017. Actually, the first thing I wrote in this list. So, it goes to show you how much it impacted me. Now, conversely, like I said, I was going to go kind of both ends of the spectrum on this. There's a lot of breweries 
that ended up kind of dropping the ball, screwing the pooch when it comes to a lot of funky beers. Not just from the aspect of them trying to make funky beers. There's some breweries out there trying to do some kooky shit when it comes to, like, um, you know, yeast and bacteria. Um, but there's a lot of, like, bullshit kind of kettle soury kind of I want to just have a sour program thing going on, which I thought was a little bit kind of just trying too hard. You know those breweries out, out there that just kind of put out, just like, oh, this is our kind of sour beer. I think it was a bit of them trying to do sour projects, but at the same time, I think a lot of breweries out there were putting out bad beer that they kind of kind of masqueraded as a sour program. Um, so that in and of itself was kind of poopy. So you had that great kind of growth of a lot of these kind of big, um, meaty, very kind of genuine, robust kind of sour-focused, funky-focused breweries. But then you had a lot of these kind of... Um, you know, kind of wherewithals or whatever the word you want to use for them that just tried to catch up or tried to uh, either kind of jump onto that trend or at the same time put out beer that really wasn't meant to be there, but they did it anyway. So that's kind of the juxtaposition thing we're going to go on each end of the more, uh, each end of these. We're going to talk about the thing I thought was great, and there's usually kind of a yin to the yang of all those. So on to the next one, new hops, new hops, old hops, and powders. Let's go that way. Um, uh, it was a great year for uh, not just new hops, but the way new hops are utilized. I mean, you have your kings of the realm. You have your mosaics, your citrus, um, your kind of Simcoe's of the world, your galaxies of the world that kind of stayed strong. And just everybody still love them because if they're done right, um, uh, beer really shines. Galaxy of Mosaic right here. Um, so, yeah, I mean, if you do well with those hops, there's, you know, fantastic things come from it. But you have a lot of, like, new school kind of hops. So when I say new school, it's not that they've been around only for this past year. But it started to shine. You're kind of Azakas of the world. You're Idaho Sevens of the world. You started to see a lot of breweries kind of tweak and, and fuck with and kind of uh, just mess with a lot of different hops. And at the same time, start to really kind of delve into those kind of powders, the lupulin powders, the oils of the world. Started to mess with them and kind of bring out just different kind of hop bits and pieces of goodness from the plant we all know and love. I mean, you know, beer couldn't exist without hops, but it couldn't exist without water, malt, and yeast also. Um, so to see breweries actually kind of build and kind of create and find new ways to kind of just bring better things out of those ingredients that were from the past, but also those newer ones, it's pretty damn awesome. Um, the, kind of flip the script there, you see a lot of breweries kind of popping up, kind of going old school too. One of my favorite breweries of the past year, I didn't do like my favorite brewery thing because I, I don't know. Just something I don't like to do, but I'll name some of them. One of my favorite breweries in the past year was Bond Brewing there out of Bethlehem, Pennsylvania. They had a really nice um, uh, uh, podcast session. Uh, Sam uh, from Bond did it with uh, John Hall from um, Beer Brewing Magazine. Go check it out if you have a minute. But anyway, um, they have utilized a lot of the older style hops you know a lot of the old sea hops a lot of the old english hops whether it be your kind of you know your your fuggles or your kind of uh, ken golden kind of style hops the cedos actually make a comeback but not for the sake of just older styles of beer to actually see them being used and being used in a little bit different ways and 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 kind of being just reborn in a sense i would say um and, and being utilized in newer beers and, and, and just just fun and interesting ways 
is is a beautiful thing to see. You see a little bit of a hearkening back. You start to see like breweries like Treehouse do their ESB, or you see like other breweries kind of touch down with a little bit of kind of like maybe a Marzen or some kind of older school kind of beer and actually throw some old school hops at things. Pilsner's a big one. You see a lot of those old school kind of Saz hops or something like that thrown at beers to see that kind of come back and come back with a vengeance is pretty cool. Now to flip the script of that, the kind of negative of that, you see a lot of these kind of just... Not just, and I said like old hops, to flip the script, maybe old hops. A lot of breweries using maybe kind of hops that have seen better days as far as uh, age. Um, or just, um, just you know, new varietals of hops that really are just kind of generic that have been thrown out there. Uh, it's a hard thing to kind of assess when it comes to breweries. You're talking about um, a, a plant uh, thing that exists in a way that if someone uses it well... It can shine, uh, but you have a lot of breweries that, if they don't use a nice hop well, just like a cook would, if you give someone who doesn't have to cook great ingredients, they might not come out with a great meal. It's the same thing with hops. So when it comes to newer hops, the unknown hops tend to have a bit more availability to them. So a lot of these breweries that not necessarily know what they're doing tend to grab onto these hops and kind of use them. And it might make a kind of stink or a bad name for these hops before they even get a foothold. So it's a weird thing to kind of talk about. But there's some kind of poopy, kind of just generic, kind of run-of-the-mill, just kind of utilitarian hops. Nothing wrong with that. But you don't want to let them shine in specific beers and uh, kind of um, just kind of lend them to the kind of very old school, throw them into Belgiums, use them for the sours, things like that. There's some breweries out there that are trying to prop up hops that really weren't the uh, best of the best this year, so you had that going. Um, next one up, dry hopping. It was probably the biggest thing of 2017. It's come before. I actually saw an article that, um, that Genesee put out. Um, it was a couple months ago, I think. They posted an old ad uh, from one of their beers from, like, the early 1900s talking about how they dry hop things. So it's not, dry hopping's not new for you uh, new bucks out there, for you haze bros out there. But to see what people are doing with dry hopping is pretty freaking cool. Um, you know what I mean? Like, the robustness and kind of leans towards the kind of new hops that have been out there, the the way people have been using them, to see the amount of vibrance, the amount of impact, the amount of deliciousness that breweries have kind of yanked out of hops, that have rang at hops, whether it be from the hop end of things, from the pellet kind of things, or whether it be the kind of kiwi kind of lupulin powder kind of end of things, I think it's pretty delicious. Um, I am in the new school hop realm. I come from the old school beer realm. I like the Belgians of the world. I like the Saisons of the world. I like the old kind of lambic, sour kind of beers of the world. But when it comes to the IPAs, I like the new school. They work for me. Old school, old school IPAs really don't do much for me. So the way not just new hops are coming about, but the way they're being utilized especially from that kind of dry hopping aspect of things, really kind of works for me. So that was one of my favorite things to come out of this year, is just the uh, abundance of that. Now, conversely, the DDH of the world, the double dry hopping of the world. The breweries using the dry hopped moniker as a way to sell beers 
was probably one of the craptastical things of the world. Um, breweries pretty much latched on to the DDH thing very early on. It, did, it wasn't just this year. Like I said, it was uh, years before, but it kind of came to a head this year. Pretty much any brewery out there that did an IPA made a, an IPA and then made a extra hopped version of it, or their DDH version of it. And I feel like there's a little bit of kind of subterfuge when it comes to that, because it, it wasn't necessarily like people were actually making this crazy dry hopped version of this IPA, but they were actually sitting there in and making a similar beer with a little bit extra hops, but just throwing the DDH on the can just to make sales. And that's super fucking shit-tastic. Super craptastic. I know an amazing amount of breweries that have done so. Um, I call some out, but there's so many to name. Um, I'm sure I'll put on a poop on a couple uh, throughout this whole kind of uh, revisiting 2017 thing, but that was probably the kind of other end of the spectrum when it comes to that kind of new hop realm thing. Such beautiful, big, robust, hazy, green, lawnmower-in-your-face dry hopping combined with just people just using that label, using that moniker just to make a buck. Kind of sucky. Um, let's move on. Next one, can art, bottle art. I think... Can art and bottle art is taking off amazingly. Um, when I started doing these kind of reviews and all that kind of stuff, um, I talked a lot. I, well, I did then and I still do now, but I talked a lot about can art, bottle art, um, it, because it's always been a thing of mine. I grew up, grew up in the art world. I, I worked in the art world, and I still do, um, but in a different aspect now my whole life. And um, it's always been something that's kind of been near and dear to me from this super old school, simplistic kind of Belgian beers of the world to the kind of newer versions of those that kind of grew out of that with your kind of, you know, your, your, your Unibrews, your Dudaciels, your kind of, your, your just nice kind of illustrative kind of um, uh, artwork. But then you started to shift and you started to have these kind of really nice kind of stippled mosaic kind of geometric pattern and stuff that I dig, but I poop on every now and then. You're other halves of the world. You're kind of, you know, your Kings County Brewers Collective of the world. Those kind of cans that just took the illustrative uh, um, aspect of the can and the bottle and just took it next level. You know, um, Hudson Valley Brewing has done it. Um, a lot of different people have brought absolutely beautiful can art to the, to the table. And, uh, in, in such an amazing way. But for me, honestly, there's been that other end of the spectrum, which is the kind of sophomore kind of um, unintentional, intentional, unintentional, intentional comedy thing, the hoof-hearteds of the world, where they draw these um, kind of just, you know, horrible kind of labels that are trying to be too cool or kind of above your head but below your head kind of thing going on where I have nothing wrong with kind of poop humor I say fuck I say shit I like blue you know what I mean it doesn't bother me but the whole kind of like look at me my cans are awesome my art is awesome but it's also like you just can't draw and you're trying to pass your shit off as awesome just didn't really work for me. I mean, Prairie has done some of it. Um, like you said, Hoofhearted is the leader of the pack when it comes to some of that stuff. So it's been a weird kind of, again, kind of one in the spectrum versus the other. You know, such beautiful new 
amazing can art. You know, I can sit here and rattle off, you know, Hot Butcher has thrown off some great cans. Um, what was the one? Oh, God. I'm not going to be able to think of them. It was another Chicago brewery. Did a lot of, like, tattoo-inspired can art. There's so many great ones out there. And to see that kind of, like, just on purpose shittily done because it's, like, wink, wink, haha, <laughs> funny, funny, ironic, hipstery shit just doesn't work for me. Let's jump off that. Get into the next one, which would be distribution. Distribution's been pretty fucking awesome this year. Um, you know, the three-tier three system, the way it's built, is probably one of the worst systems in the history of mankind. I mean, I mean, <laughs> getting a little bit um, out there as far as my exaggerations go. But, I mean, it's pretty craptastic. It basically makes a lot of money for the people who shouldn't get money. Um, but you have seen a decent amount of really delicious breweries hit distribution. Listen, some of the big old-school breweries, they're in deep on that. You know, Sierra Nevada, I mean, the fact that you can roll into any ballpark or any airport and just get you a nice Sierra Nevada or a Founders beer or something like that is a beautiful thing. But you started to see a lot of kind of next tier i don't want to say lesser breweries because they're definitely not lesser breweries you start to see a lot of like breweries that are a little bit smaller start to get a little bit of kind of easier kind of getability that's a word for 2017 um you know in my area and some of it has to do with buyouts some of it doesn't so if you're peeved that some of want to say whatever but you know prairie um, you know, I've been seeing Deschutes, uh, I've been seeing a lot, uh, ba -ba -ba Schlafly has hit my area, I have seen, let's see, I mean, there's a bunch of other ones, I'm having a hard time, kind of like, um, Boulevard has hit my area, you know, some of them have to do with actually, um, you know, kind of semi-buyout, semi-investment level stuff, whether you're talking about Duvelin things, or um, whatnot, but the fact that we can actually get a, a much wider net of fantastical beers, I think is a pretty good thing. Um, you know, uh, Blue, uh, Blackberry Farms, um, Creature Comforts, there's so many different breweries, and this is definitely localized stuff, so you might not see these beers by you. To see a lot of new and interesting brews kind of make it to my market is pretty freaking fantastic for being in a state that's so crippled when it comes to um, new beers kind of landing and showing their showing their faces to see absolutely fantastical beers show up is an amazing thing. Now, flip the script to that. It's a lot of shit showing up too. You know what I mean? Like I was never. I mean, it kind of sucks to name names, but you kind of have to in this chance. I was never. I mean, Scarface Brewing. They kind of went under, but you know they're being revived. I was never a big fan of the them. And there's been some other breweries that kind of reared their heads that uh, just made distributions for the fact that they're kind of bigger breweries. And to see, uh, you know, uh, already, um, what's the word I'm looking for? It already staunch and already rough market uh seeing other breweries kind of flood the uh shelves 
of the world. And we're not talking about distribution. Most of the time we're talking about kind of buying shelf space at local, like, uh, supermarkets, things like that. Your niche bottle shop is not really affected by this. But you're starting to see, uh, you know, these beers show up on shelves and, and just kind of beat out because they had a little bit kind of, you know, extra strength behind them to see them kind of take space away from breweries that, eh, probably should have been in there or, uh, or other breweries that could have grown if that kind of, you know, pseudo craft this craftness, craftness, craftiness, maybe we'll go that way. Craftiness, um, kind of beer, uh, didn't make it in the market. It, it's a weird thing because you want your local brewery breweries to uh, make a hay. You want them to make, um, what they need to make in order to stay open. We also want new breweries to come in, but these kind of like, you could tell, for almost from a taste and the way they market themselves, breweries that are just out there just to kind of make a buck, to see them actually garner shelf space is kind of a bummer. So, you know what I mean? To see an awesome amount of distribution kind of hit, it's fantastic. To see breweries that are kind of like, meh. Yeah. It's kind of a bummer. Subjective world, so it's weird to say that, but... Anyway, um, let's see. Experimentation. Next up. That was one of my favorite things about 2017. Is, is the amount of kooky shit that breweries did this year. I mean, there's some weird shit that went down. You know what I mean? Like, um, you know, the kind of melding of, uh, of different bits and pieces of stuff that most breweries haven't tried before. Again, the whole lactose IPA thing, that's not new. Um, you know what I mean? It's been around for a couple years. The wood hitting IPA thing, not that new. Um, the kind of, uh, you know, more unique barrel age kind of beers, whether it be kind of different variants of wine barrels or different spirit barrels. Those things have been around, but it seems like there's been an acceleration of those kind of ideas or access to other breweries and actually throwing out whether it be, okay, let's make a beer and throw, you know what I mean, some other kind of plant or or let's take this kind of, of, of wood and use it that we've never used before or this kind of barrel that we've never used before. And the, and the amount of, of thought that went behind that, the, the amount of energy, the amount of, of excitement, the amount of experimentation that went behind that in a calculated way was beautiful. I mean, some of the beers I had this year, you know, I had, you know, a super huge light wooded beer from, what was the brewery's name? Oh, it's going to kill me. It's another Chicago brewery. We're hitting all the Chicago breweries this year. It was a moth-named beer from out there in Chicago where they did a beautiful wood-based IPA that had so much vanilla in it. It was just from the wood. It was absolutely fantastic. But then you had other breweries that were, like, kind of throwing, like, you know, you know, different bits and pieces of whether it be kind of yeast and you know, be like, oh, you usually don't kind of go this funky or this weird with this kind of yeast or you don't usually use this kind of like spirit barrel, whether it be with an IPA or a barrel-aged beer and you actually see the kind of balance and experimentation going on was fantastic. Again, the flip side of that was the experimentation um, just to be weird. 
that was kind of the bummer. You know, you had people throwing, you know, fried chicken into beer and, you know what I mean, like dollar bills and pizza and all that kind of shit. Sounds like kind of pooping on Evil Twin at this point, but uh, you get what I'm going at. I actually do enjoy a lot of the beers that, like, yep, in Evil Twin throw down, especially with their kind of kooky, kind of fried chickeny money beers. But it was just, like, there was a lot of breweries that just threw ideas against the wall like they were spaghetti and just hope they stuck. It wasn't necessarily like, okay, we know this is going to work. Let's, let's, let's do it and figure it out. It was more like, okay, let's just keep throwing shit at the wall and hopefully eventually it sticks. And it almost ended up like a lot of the people out there in the beer world ended up being like kind of like uh, beta testers for a lot of these beers. Be like, you know, it's not like the brewery was, was, um, uh, some of these breweries were, were, uh, uh, all they were about were putting out a good product. It was more like trying to make a kooky kind of headline, clickbaity kind of beer that uh, people just wanted to buy for the sake that it was just weird. And you know that's the other end of that spectrum. It just just ended up coming off a little bit too oh, cheesy, too too eager, trying too hard for me. And 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 when you see such beautiful, you know experimentation one of my favorite shelfies of this year and one video i had was that kind of lagered uh barrel lagered um funky yeast version that a uh, boulevard did with uh creature comforts in arizona wilderness that's a great experimentation project you know but then you like i said you have that other end of the spectrum that just kind of just does shit just to be weird same thing as that can art i was talking about earlier it's just doing shit for the sake of being weird and i worked with someone like that it was just they just wanted to be weird. You just can't be weird. You are weird. It's kind of like what you grow up as or who you are. You just can't force it. You, as much as you want to be unique, some people aren't. Some breweries aren't, even though they try. Um, let's see. The explosion of new breweries. That was a good one. That was a good one. There's so many good breweries that blow up this year. Just by me. This is just by me. Fucking Hudson Valley Brewing, uh, Wampaw Pack Brewing, uh, Bond Brewing, even though I think they're around a little bit earlier than last year, um, Equilibrium Brewing, Rush Nut's been around for a while, but they're coming up uh, here now, Brewing by me in Holmesdale, um, you know, uh, let's see, uh, uh, Two Rivers Brewing down in Easton, um, there's so many good breweries just in my immediate area that have... It's absolutely mean, fantastic beers. Even diving into New Jersey, I spent a lot of time in Jersey this year. You're talking about, you know what I mean, the Referent Brewing, Troon Brewing, uh, Conclave. Uh, there's so many new breweries coming to a head. Like I said, they might not have been founded last or this past year, maybe a little bit earlier, but they're coming into their own this year. There's so many fantastic breweries just coming up and it, all over the country. I mean, I've had tastes of new breweries here and there and everywhere, and it's just a beautiful thing to see so many good beers um, kind of pop up and, uh, and just bring awesomeness to the uh, beer people, as you were. Little sippy poo. And um, we are definitely in the golden age of beer. I mean, that's the end-all, be-all of it. I mean, there's so many good breweries to be had that it, it, if you can't find a local brewery by you, and I'm sure there's exceptions that are rule, then either you don't know what good beer is, 
Sorry for saying that. Or, um, you know, you live in the most remote places on Earth. Now, the other, other end of that kind of conversation, there's a lot of shit breweries popping up too. Um, it, it, it sucks to say. You want breweries to do well. I do. I know I do. When I visit a brewery that's been around for a very short while, I go into it and all I want is good things. But there's some really bad ones. There's some really bad ones out of the shoot. I went on a beer trip a couple, um, maybe about two months ago, and I visited. I was like, you know what? I want to go to all new breweries that I have not gone to. And I went down in the kind of eastern middle of PA and, you know, it was it was bad. I went to um, a, a brewery I enjoy, and I was like, okay, kick it off there. Went to one I was like, this pretty mediocre stuff. Then went to um, one that I've always wanted to visit, Old School Brewery, absolutely stellar. And kind of ended up stopping at this new brewery there. They're like, yeah, we're having a grand opening this weekend. And they had 18 beers on draft, and they all were not just subpar, not just, man, I don't like them. They were all horrible beers and uh, it, it's kind of a bummer you know what i mean to see a brewery throw so much effort to throw so much money um at something and produce sub subpar shitastic fucking beer i don't even know how it gets there like how how do, how do they make such bad beer to the point where so many people invest money in a place to where you're like oh you know how does it even exist and it sounds like i'm just shitting on a brewery just for fun no, I'm actually absolutely amazed about how how a brewery can have such a big, you know, now you don't hear several barrels of beer, a big enough brewery to where they can be producing on their opening night, you know what I mean, 10 to 15 beers and have every single one of them be hot garbage. Like, who is the yes-man behind that brewery to the point where they yes them to death to where they're going to yes them to bankruptcy? You know what I mean? To actually kind of build into that and try to be something and just, just miss the mark so completely. It, to me, it just it, it just comes off as just a money grab. And it seems like there are a lot of breweries that like that kind of popping up. Not a lot, but, but I would say enough to kind of notice. Um, so while there was an explosion of fantastical, awesome breweries... There was a lot of kind of, hmm. and I'm talking just badly made beer, not beers that I don't like, just bad beers. So, yes, good versus bad. Um, next one, Vocal Brewers. That was an awesome thing this year. A brewers and breweries that are actually out there saying things. Uh, first person that comes to mind, Augie. Uh, from Carton Brewing, he has always been vocal. He's always been connected with the community, whether it be online or otherwise. Um, you know, he's about oh, I think he's three years deep into Steal the Spear, one of the best bar podcasts going out there, as far as uh, beer goes. And he's just really connected with the community. And, and I say that in a sense that if someone has an issue with uh, uh, the beer or wants to talk about beer, it's not so much why didn't you like my beer? Oh, what are you talking about? Is he actually wants to understand? Uh, the reasoning behind why people think and uh, the things they think about the beer. You know what I mean? Get to the basis of why um, someone, whether likes or dislikes someone's beer. And there's a lot of brewers that are like that. You know what I mean? Um, I'm lucky enough to where I end up kind of having contact with a lot of people like that. Um, uh, you know, Barreled Souls from Florida um, was like that hot butcher for the world. 
they're like that, you know, equilibrium. Um, there's a lot of breweries out there that I've ended up, you know, just kind of doing beers. When I review beers, most of the stuff I get, I just buy myself or I'm given by people. I don't get a ton from breweries. I'm lucky enough to where that happens from time to time. But even if that does happen, it usually happens for me actually going out and getting the beer. I go to breweries. I don't want people to know who I am. I don't walk in there and be like, hey, I'm so-and-so. Please um, give me a bunch of free shit. That's what asshole people do. Um, you know, I, I kind of try to just keep as low a key as humanly possible. You know, if breweries reach out and they want to send me shit, that's fine. But I'm still not going to fucking put on a happy grin and just say fantastical shit. just because they sent me um, good stuff. And, and to actually sit there and actually talk about somebody's beer and have somebody kind of come back at you. Uh, Daredevil is another one. Um, uh, and be like, hey man, I enjoyed what you had to say, whether it was good or bad. And be like... You know, I'd really like to talk more or hear some other beers. Let me know what you think and just be constructive about things. Be open minded and be able to actually like try to, um, you know what I mean? Learn. Not that I am a teacher. I'm not saying that shit by any stretch of the imagination. But um, be able to actually take the words of people out there, whether they be consumers or beer journalists or whatever, and use it as fuel and use it as information to make themselves better. I haven't seen it as prevalent as I, ha as I have this year. But the other end of the spectrum, there's people that just can't do that. Um, you know, there's some people that kind of poop when someone says a couple of poopy things about the beer, they get a little bit kind of peeved and that's normal. You know, someone poops on your baby, you don't want to fucking take it. You want to kind of combat that. Um, again, yep. From evil twin has had his fair share of battles with people online. You know what I mean? Other, other brewers, you know what I mean? There's a newer brewer around us, a foreign objects. Uh, someone says something about their beer and kind of pooped on them for that. That's what it is. But the, the person that really comes to mind for me is, um, Joe Prococo from, uh, Soul Artisan Ales in Easton, PA. The dude has literally um, just alienated and crushed his uh, kind of um, original customer base based off of absolutely horrible, um, self-absorbed kind of myopic viewpoint of when it comes to beer. Um, you know, it, it just a kind of, um, you know, a cautionary tale of how not to run a brewery or how not to run a business when it comes to today's day and age and social media. The dude actually had a pretty fever and following. He was making decent beer, or I should say the people that were working for him uh, made decent beer and um, ended up uh, starting a society and ended up kind of from there after getting the money from these people um, uh, in in and around the area his brewery was, ended up just kind of shutting them out. Um, uh, took, um, you know what I mean, basically shut them out completely uh, when he started like not producing what he originally um, uh, promised people, um, not just in writing, because, you know, he f ended up fulfilling what he had to by all all bits and pieces in writing um, what he had to for society, but all the things he promised people uh, over months and months and months, what he would give them um, for the society, and just in general, um, being a brewery, just ended up shitting on them. It wasn't even so much that he ended up just kind of, like not giving people what they wanted. But anytime anybody kind of tried to reach out to him, uh, whether it be via private email or eventually social media, because uh, droves and droves and millions, I wouldn't say millions, but 
tens of hundreds of emails never went unanswered, um, people kind of reverted to social media and, and it was kind of like, uh, you know, please talk to me. And um, uh, it ended up being the opposite end of the spectrum. You figured at that point someone would actually, uh, you know, hold out an olive branch and be like, oh, I understand, you know, I'm early responding. It was more like, you know, it go, you know, if you don't understand what I'm making, then go fuck yourself kind of shit. And to the point where he started naming beers, um, kind of like um, troll, like he started naming beers after his old fans in a way that he was making fun of them and, and started actually purposely producing shit beers for the society just to fuck with them and, and ended up like, you know, just basically, you know, um, pissing on the people that ended up uh, kind of uh, uh, propping him up and being able to give him the ability to make any kind of beer outside of what he was contracting or the people that are making for him contracting um, at the time. And it was just kind of one of those things where it just kind of sucked. You see all these great brewers that are on the pulse of what's going on brewery-wise and actually be like, okay, you know, I understand where you're coming from. Let's, let's, let me use your information as feedback for, to make myself better. And they say someone just, not only just, uh, just push away, um, any kind of constructive criticism whatsoever, but also just become a next level fucking douchebag and fucking just shit on everybody that tried to do him right and fucking be a fucking just piece of shit human being. It was just one of the worst things to happen last year. So to see that juxtaposition between both of those lines was kind of poopy. So yeah, the absolute contact between brewers and people is awesome but when you have people like joe Bercogo kind of on the other side other end of things it just kind of sucks so yeah you know you have the good with the bad that's just what this whole video is all about um let's see what else um you know uh you know writers beer tubers and social media in general i think is pretty fantastic you know there's been a really nice kind of crop of, of traditional kind of written word writers out there. You know what I mean? Whether it be Joshua Bernstein or, you know what I mean, an old school John Hall or, you know what I mean, you even go super, just fucking super old school. Well, a lot of different writers. Sippy poo first. But there's been a lot of really good written word when it comes to beers out there. Um, and, you know, I think there's been a really nice explosion in beer tube you know there's a lot of new school kind of beer tubers out there they're doing awesome stuff you know no hype beer reviews you know what i mean um nerd sense um all things uh and a lot of different people out there are doing really cool things in a beer tubing community sure some have been doing it longer than they don't last year but i'm talking about people that are really coming in there hey I've been doing really good things with it. Even in a social media sense, you know, there's some goofy kind of people out there like you don't drink beers of the world and things like that have been doing really fantastical stuff. Just kind of pushing beer and kind of providing a kind of unique service, uh, for lack of a better term, for people out there that are looking into beer. Do you know what I mean? People that are trying to find beer. The tradi traditional written word is a bit more kind of uh, ethereal, I don't know what the word I'm looking for is here, but a little bit more kind of uh, academic, you know what I mean? People that are looking for a little bit more in-depth. The beer tube of the world, you know, is a bit more, as I put it, as I try to portray it, a bit more the Pandora of the world. Kind of, you know, you plug in what you like and you get out what you like, you know what I mean? You kind of tune into people that review beers in if they like it. 
and usually like what they like, then usually end up not liking what they like, and kind of vice versa. And even social media-wise, if you want that kind of goofy, kind of funny end things when it comes to beer, you know, whether it be don't drink beers, who actually brings a, a, a good beer perspective to things, but it's very kind of in tune with that kind of goofy, you know, barley one is life thing. It, 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 it's giving you a service. It's actually like throwing out there, you know what I mean? Like information that you can take and actually use when you go out there and you actually spend your hard-earned dollars for beer. Um, but there's the other end of the spectrum, and I see it a lot. I mean, uh, the written word, not so much. I mean, there is a lot of kind of advertising-based writers out there, people that make money from beer um, and do that just to make money. Um, a lot of magazines that you don't even know are actually uh, funded by AB and Bev or the like. So you actually see a lot of writers out there that will write uh, you know, uh, articles about like Pilsners being awesome. And you're like, okay, are they, and this is a EBM funded magazine and are writing about how Pilsners are the best beer ever. Well, they might be writing that because they want Pilsners to be sold, which means that kind of fuels ABM Bev's bottom line. Um, same thing with YouTube. There's some people out there. I kind of just review beers for the sake of just trying to get shit from people. Do you know what I mean? Whether it be accolades, awards, whatever. Do you know what I mean? They actually like fuel their life around trying to. The sole reason is to 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 take things from people. You know what I mean? It is what it is. But social media influencers as they're called, is the worst of the bunch. I see this shit nonstop. Um, I'm pretty active outside of YouTube on Instagram, and there's so many people just jerk each other off and fucking rub each other's backs. Do you know what I mean? About, like, I'm going to visit brewery here, or I'm going to post beer this, and it's just, it's just everybody comments on everybody's picture or video saying how awesome that thing is that the other person did and vice versa back and forth to where they prop each other up on this big kind of Sodom and Gomorrah jerk off pile that just it's in breweries eat this shit up sometimes the good ones don't but for the most case the bullshit ones the middle of the road ones fucking gobble that shit up they see okay this person has a social media following that is, has this many people and they get this many comments so I'm just going to give them a bunch of shit because they just say things but they're actually not bringing anything to the table there's someone down south um, that just posts beer reviews and then he just basically copies and pastes fucking tasting notes and beer review shit and posts it to some young kid and it's just like he doesn't bring anything useful to the table but you know what I mean breweries eat that shit up and just be like hey this guy can get us two or three more drinkers and I understand there's a bottom line in the business and stuff but to actually sit there and see like you know what I mean like you're actually buying into this kind of generic bullshit of propping each other up stuff that's the other end of the spectrum that kind of sucks so it's like weird you don't want to be too magnanimous when it comes to things but at the same time when you see you know what i mean so many good people doing uh, so many great things on one end and so many poopy things going on the other you kind of get a little bit peeved at it be perfectly honest with you um but i don't want to actually kind of end this on just a bunch of it because i'm trying to wrap it up keep it relatively short but um the uh, i'm gonna flip this one that opportunist thing is the biggest thing that bothered me this is a new sect we're going on the opportunist 
um, whether it be the beer trader opportunist, um, the, the person that's trying to get the biggest, baddest whale in the history of beardom, uh, whether it be the, um, you know what I mean, the person that's trying to be an Instagram star and trying to shill out breweries just by being a cute girl or a, um, you know what I mean, or just trying to be a kind of copy and paste writer bullshit kind of reviewer kind of person or um the person that's trying to open a brewery that's it's producing subpar beers for the sake of making a buck the opportunists of the world that was a really big kind of negative in the past year beer seen so much amazing growth um in the past 365 days um that you're going to see a lot of that craptasticness kind of fall into line but the other end of that spectrum which is what i want to end on is the beer community as a whole. It's been amazing. It's been an absolutely fucking amazing beer fucking year. Um, the amount of people I've talked to, um, that I've talked to, um, that I've shared beers with, um, that have written and that have sent me beer, that I have sent beer, the, the whole nine. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm not a beer trader. Uh, I am not a beer chaser. Um, but I've been lucky enough to, um, send beers and receive beers and drink beers that I don't think I would have ever had before. Um, and if you even kind of strip that down to the next level, I've had friendships and conversations born of those that I've never thought I'd had. You know what I mean? I've met some amazing people. You know what I mean? Over the years, you know, David and Tom, and there's been some, you know, kind of mainstays in my life. But even this year, there's been, you know, Ryan from Virginia and Ralph from Florida and Justin from um, out Midwest. And, and there's been people that have, uh, you know, have treated me with the infinite kindness when it comes to beer. Not just from sending beer, but just as far as conversation of beer. And actually just kind of connecting and talking. It's been fantastic. I'll be the first person to say I am one of the biggest curmudgeons when it comes to anything in life. So I actually don't go on posts and, and comment and write and all that stuff. Not because I feel like I'm some fucking higher than higher douchebag that doesn't feel like I need to comment on things. Just because I'm a weird fucking introvert that I just fucking, I'm weird. Um, but I like to have these conversations with people. And actually see... Um, uh, the growth, not just for myself and what I do, but see other people, see communities grow, to see beer groups grow, to see people into beer, to see everybody out there kind of floating around the world, um, whether it be in their local community to outside the community, traveling is an amazing thing. You know what I mean? I, I You have to understand, I grew up in a world where finding somebody who liked beer was amazing. One person. Now it's almost impossible not to find somebody who doesn't like it and who's into it and who's passionate about it and enjoys it. So to actually be in this time and place with people just, just so into these things that, you know, I'm super into. I mean, I fucking yammer on camera. Nobody's here but me. And to see other people into that is absolutely fantastic. So moving forward into 2018, uh, it's just... It's going to be awesome. There's no way it can't be. I mean, saying some weird Trumpian fucking closure of all fucking beardom. It's going to be a great fucking year, man. Full of a lot of beer. A lot of words, because I have those, and a lot of love. So, yeah. It was a great year. It was a great year in beer. It was a great year in 
life and it's going to be a great year moving forward. So hopefully you guys enjoyed all the yammering words that came out of my mouth this year. Hopefully you guys enjoy all the shit moving forward, whether it be, be for me or any of the other awesome people out there producing beer content. And uh, hopefully you, uh, you know, not only show love on this end, but show love on the other end. Show other people beer love. And just uh, do good beer things because do good beer things and good beer happens. So thank you guys for watching. Here's the 2017. And here's to an even awesomer 2018. Cheers.